0: Hey, No Gods, No Monsters listeners, just wanted to give a content warning for the episode. Um, there's a few things mentioned that might be triggering to some folks, including mentions of violence and specifically sexual violence. It's not a lot, but it is in there. All right, I hope you enjoy the show.
1: The DA's going to chew me a new asshole, thanks to you.
2: <laughs> oh. Oh.
1: you all ever go on the parent parents guide on imdb no never i i do it like before i watch certain movies with my wife to just see like what i'm going to be getting into and make sure i'm not going to
3: like put on something too distressing i i did read that for the thing on antichrist i remember years ago uh Because it is very funny reading the warnings to that movie. And and that was sort of what I was thinking. Because I
1: went for this, and it does make it sound like way. Every single time I've ever been on The Parent's Guide, where there are sexual situations in the film, it makes it sound like exponentially more pornographic than it actually is. (laughs) They have like every minute detail about what goes on. You know, they. They they describe the ways in which the creature grabs her breast.
0: That's so interesting because they're like magnifying it while trying to hide it ostensibly.
3: Yeah,
1: you know. I, I don't know. It feels like secret literatica. Like it's just for very concerned parents and Christians to like get a peek at something and be yeah. like, hell yeah! But say they didn't we watch can't it. Watch this. They just read the warning. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, that reminds me of, have you all looked at uh, Does the Dog Die?
3: Yes, once or twice.
0: It's like has so much information, it's incomprehensible to me every time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, let's see if there's any trigger warnings. And it's like a fucking Dickens novel <laughs> of just like different things I've never heard of. Uh, I'm sure it's really helpful and I'm glad people are doing the work. Yeah. But it, it definitely is like, whoa, I, should I be worried about that thing? <laughs> I've never even heard of that thing.
1: I would just say when we're done here do yourself a favor and look at the from beyond parents guide on imdb it's funny made me think this movie was gonna be way crazier than it is
0: (laughs) can you read like a favorite line i think that would really put some spice into this i'm sitting
1: on imdb
0: right now you sick fuck i see your eyes lighting up with that screen (laughs) you oh man you've been living for this shit
2: a woman starts playing with some SM gear becomes sexually aroused by it. She starts to moan and breathe heavily. She then takes a leather glove and smells it, then rubs it against her cheek. She then sticks her hand inside her robe and starts squeezing her breast and rubbing her nipple. (laughs) Moaning and breathing hard while continuing to rub her cheek against the glove. However, her breast remains covered by her robe the entire time. The same woman then proceeds to put on the s and outfit she was touching. A close-up view of her putting a shoe on is shown, and as the camera pans up, she runs her hand over her leg and upper thigh, and then across her left butt cheek. The camera then pans over to show her bare butt, as the suit bottom is a g-string. She then walks across the room, and much of her breasts are seen, as the suit is very low cut
0: but her nipples are covered that is so you're right that's so much more like yeah i need to take a parent imdb break Uh, (laughs) welcome to no gods no monsters we're the anti-capitalist kaiju and monster movie podcast in a world where no one's coming to save us i'm rabbit i'm charlie and i'm (laughs) bardo And today we're talking about 1986's From Beyond. Um, So this was Charlie's pick for our kind of random movies that we sprinkle into our normal kaiju fare. So we're going to be covering this movie uh, tonight, tonight obviously. And then we're taking a little break from our finishing up of Showa Godzilla. We're going to take a little break and watch all three of the Cloverfield movies. So Cloverfield... 10 Cloverfield Lane, and The Cloverfield Paradox. And then we're going to get back into the final Showa-era Godzilla movie, Terror uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla? Yep, correct. Yeah. And then uh, do probably some kind of Showa-era Godzilla synopsis. We might sprinkle some more random monster movies in there, but that's just like our general trajectory for the movies coming up soon.
3: Everybody... Go out and find a four-leaf clover and uh, hold it for our Cloverfield episodes and send it to us and yeah. we will... We'll read the clover on air. Yeah, we will read the <laughs> clover on air.
0: Uh, Charlie, do you want to tell us what From Beyond is about? Doctors Pretorius and Crawford Tillingas
3: have created a machine known as the Resonator that stimulates the pineal gland, allowing sensory access to another dimension of squeaky eeky creepy creatures the kind you'd make with a creepy crawler oven this leads to a creature biting off Pretorius's head like a gingerbread man and Crawford being accused of the murder girl wonder hubba hubba psychiatrist Catherine McMichaels is the only one who believes Crawford's story so the two along with cop Bubba go back to the house of the resonator Crawford proves the story to the two but in the process dooms them all as they discover Pretorius or a being who has consumed both Victoria's brain and his mind, is on the other side, and his monstrous vestige wants to consume the human world. Catherine, seduced by the resonator and his promise of knowledge beyond what anyone is supposed to know, continues to flirt with the machine, resulting in her almost being eaten, Crawford becoming hairless, Catherine getting all hubba hubba and SNL lingerie, Bubba getting eaten by alternate dimension bees, and Crawford's pineal gland rocking the fuck out of his forehead. Crawford and Catherine both end up back at the hospital, but the two get free due to Crawford's new brain-eating habit. The two make it back to the house, where Catherine set up us set up us the bomb, castrates Crawford, and then gets saved by Crawford, who gets eaten by Pretorius, and then engage in a slimy-ass monster ghoul. Catherine jumps out the window, and is doomed to repeat her father's life of being institutionalized. The End Like something straight from Nickelodeon. It's slime
0: time, baby. It's from (laughs) beyond, baby. H.P. Lovecraft. This is an adaptation of an H.P. Lovecraft story. I feel like I'm having trouble keeping track of how many H.P. Lovecraft-related episodes we've had, but it's been quite a few now. We did Underwater, and then we did, uh, what's that movie with the guy from Tremors? Oh, yeah, I
3: forgot about that. Um,
0: Cast a Deadly Spell.
3: That's right. Yeah, I, I think it might just be these three, at least in terms of yeah. direct. Obviously, his stamp is all over kind of uh, weird fiction, horror, monster stuff. But yeah, so neither of you have seen this before, right? Right.
0: Nope, first time. Also, I, I listened to the short story oh. that it's based on. I forgot to read the seven-page story.
3: This story is more just like a... Like, most of the, that story is kind of just in the beginning part. Um, this is really just a... Yeah, like, I mean, it's only a seven page story, and they had that ad- adapted into a full movie.
0: That story even more feels just like two people doing Salvia in an attic. <laughs>
3: yeah. um,
0: except that they're like, Where did all the servants go? Oh, where did they go? And it's kind of ambiguous if the dude killed them or if they disappeared and the, whatever. And then, yeah.
3: I mean, the end of the story shows that they were eaten by the altered dimension of beings or taken away in some form. For sure. Anyways.
1: Yeah, what'd y'all think? I thought it was fun. It had all the pieces that I want for like a. I don't mean this in like a diminishing way, but like kind of like a stupid romp. It is both. There's like stuff going on in it. There's like there's a little bit like, like a a moral message that you have to search for, and there's a, uh, sp- spooky icky things and there's like gratuitous sexuality and it's all like i don't know it works it's not like this is not like a five-star movie to me or anything like that but like i really enjoyed my time watching it
0: i it kind of felt like hellraiser meets altered states to me um which that's just kind of how it felt to me it definitely reminded me a lot of society and prince of darkness but i do think that i like those movies more i appreciate the hell out of the effects i think that there's some really cool questions it brings up that i'm super excited to dive into i watched it twice and i didn't really enjoy most of my time it was fine but it was like it felt like a bit too much without enough like i wanted to know like I had questions that I'll bring up about like, why is the beyond like this and stuff like that, that maybe to some people is like cooler, left a mystery. And I can appreciate that. And I could see that for some people, this would be like a really fucking perfect movie. But for me, it felt a little like, I don't know, just, uh, running in place. Like it was like kind of a little above middle of the road for me. But at the same time, I thought there was like, like, I thought all the pieces were awesome. And I thought the effects were super cool. Just maybe didn't, like, tickle my my aesthetic. That's sort of where something. I was,
1: where, like, I really liked all the pieces of it a lot. And it just didn't, like, draw me in. I didn't feel, like, empathet- empathy for any of the characters, which is fine. And, like, I don't think a movie necessarily needs to do that. But I didn't, like feel like I connected with anyone on screen in a way where like you get that you get tricked into thinking you have a shared struggle with the characters. And yeah, that wasn't there. But
3: Didn't you just say that you would so turn on the machine? (laughs) Is that not a shared struggle with Pretorius and Catherine?
0: (laughs) Part's gonna be cut, so it'll be a little confusing, but True. He did say that off air. He said that <laughs> last thing I want to say, and then I want to hear where you're at, Charlie. Um, I watched it twice kind of because I didn't like I felt the way I felt feel about this movie. The first time I watched Prince of Darkness, I was like, OK, cool. And then the second time I watched it, it like blew my mind. Um, so I watched it again to like give it a real like I watched it the first time on a laptop and then I watched it like on my projector loud, like to be in it. And I liked it a little more, but it didn't blow me away still. But I'd still give it, like, a positive over negative for sure. But what about you, Charlie? You picked this movie. Where are you at?
3: I, I love this movie. I think it's all around fantastic. It's visually just gorgeous. Just. uh the colors, the cinematography is, is incredible. Uh, the special effects, uh, I think there were three different special effects teams that worked on this together with. John Beekler, kind of like headed it all together. And the special effects are just all around incredible, amazing, practical effects. Uh, it's so slimy and awesome. The main three actors of Barbara Crampton, Jeffrey Combs, and Ken Foray are just, I think they're all incredible. I love all three of them as actors. I just watched... Uh, Dawn of the Dead a few weeks ago which is uh, also stars Ken Free and he's the star of that movie along with uh, oh hell yeah especially his relationship with this quirked up white boy that's that's a they're kind of a duo star but his he steals that movie overall um anyways I love H.P. Lovecraft I think this is a really good short story of his that's a very intriguing and evocative and a precursor to a lot of science fiction um it was written in 1920.
0: That's crazy. It feels way more modern than that. Yeah, a lot of
3: people always say Lovecraft is like an unfilmable author. That's not something I I agree with. But even going along, even if I was someone who really believed that, um I think Stuart Gordon uh, still figured out the perfect way to film this story and to adapt this story into a, a feature length movie. I chose this movie because well. It, like I said, I love it. But I was not planning to choose any other kind of use the movie for a while. Ryan Newsom is the producer of this. He also directed Society. But uh, Vinegar Syndrome just came out with this 4K disc, Stack 4K disc. They're like my favorite home video company, and they do the best remastering of video out there. So I was just really excited to watch this and go through the disc. So this choosing it gave me an excuse to do that.
0: Was there good shit on that? This did you get to go through special features and stuff?
3: Yeah, I didn't get around. So there's one that has a bunch of interviews. I did not get around to that. I got around to one interview on it with Stuart Gordon. But I watched this with um, two different commentaries. One with uh, Brian Usna, Stuart Gordon, the director, and Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs, the two star actors. And then the other one was, uh, I can't remember his name, but the guy who wrote the screenplay. And they're both very good commentary tracks. And then there's also an hour and a half kind of making up documentary where it's just a bunch of interviews with a bunch of different people that worked on the movie that I watched. And that's great. And if anyone collects home media, I highly suggest picking up the new 4K by Van Syndrome.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah, I got to just t- say the effects are mm-hmm. so cool in this. They did such a good job.
1: That last scene in particular was just like, oh, it's, it's society again, which is like <laughs> a good thing, you know
3: very cool yeah it's kind of surprising um the special effects person that did uh society screaming mad george is not on this film because it really seems like it (laughs) yeah
0: well where do you want to start folks i got some places i could start but where y'all anybody have anything they want to talk about first
1: i mean i i don't think this is everything but did this feel like a conservative film
0: I don't know. I I didn't get... I don't think so. I mean, uh, I don't know if... Tell... Where are you coming from?
1: We'll we'll (laughs) come back to this. Never mind. Never mind. Let's let that hang out there. Let's see what happens. Where do you want to start? You have some things, Rabbit.
0: Well, I'm just going to kind of go from where you were saying then. Uh, The effects are extremely cool. You made a statement about him being unfilmable. And I do think that this story, the way I read it, is way more fantastical in my mind. It kind of reminded me of. Have either of you seen? Uh, read the uh Southern Reach trilogy. The first book is Annihilation. Oh, I read Annihilation. No, um, so that, that's Jeff Vandermeer, right? Yeah. No. Did you say you read that, Barto?
1: I read the first one. Yeah.
0: Like that to me, I love that trilogy. It's mind blowing, and it feels absolutely unfilmable. The movie's good, but it's shit compared to the book. Because it feels unfilmable, in my opinion. But it's still an incredible visual movie that's like, I'm so glad it exists. And this felt the same way where maybe it's just that I was picturing different things in my head. But, like, it felt like we kind of had a few really cool monsters in this. And cool, like, the cinematography in this movie is awesome. The lighting is so refreshing compared to modern movies. Like, there's a scene where Pretorius is, like revealing himself again like, his face is black and the sides are, like, blue. And then he kind of, like, comes in and it's all cinematography and it's amazing. Like, they did a great job, but it did feel less fucking out there DMT, Trip, Salvia or whatever than the story to me a little bit. But that isn't to say it isn't the best someone could do on film of it, uh, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense.
3: No, I, I get it. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, there's just, like, this common thing that you really... See a lot where people talk about how Lovecraft's unfilmable because he talked about, you know, his characters would often go, you know, insane and the the monstrosities of the experience are largely, uh, undescribable. And, like, uh, there's creatures and things that, uh, defy our, uh, understanding of geometry and things like that. So, sure. you know, in a very one for one, way yeah his stuff is unfilmable but i sure think yeah. a lot of people have done creative ways to interpret that and i think this movie does a perfect way of interpreting something that sure you are just going for a exact rep- uh replica of it is unfilmable but i mean they weren't doing exact replica because it's, it's a seven-page oh, story yeah. and they they were more interested in uh playing off the uh, vibes and what the original story was going for, and I think they do a very good job of that.
0: And I want to say, like, all the psychiatry stuff, all the stuff about, like, mental illness, or at least most of it, like, all that, all the cops, like, all of that is added in, Mm. and that worked really well to turn this short story that was just like, my friend's fucking doing some weird shit in an attic (laughs) and then i come visit and it's weird as hell (laughs) into an actual narrative and i thought they did a really good job carrying like it was like how do we get that put it in a modern setting and then look at how society would react to the people who have experienced this Mm -hmm. that was fucking cool that's a really good way to adapt it i think agreed um and Maybe that's a good thing to talk about. Y'all want to talk about, like, the mental health psychiatry angle? There's a lot there.
1: There definitely is.
0: Like, I really like that our, like, the one of the leads, uh, Catherine McMichaels, I really like that she's going into an institution where they're locking people up for schizophrenia and saying, I don't think people should be locked up for this, and, like, believing our person. Like, I thought that mm. was such a cool... Like, I did feel affinity with her at that point
3: i did too um and then the other nurse like points out that she's like she just does it all for clout or whatever and maybe there there is that to an extent but she does seem to genuinely care i mean she talks about the how her dad was locked up for 15 years and was called uncurable and was given all these you know shock treatment and all this medicine and stuff so Yeah, I think she generally is interested in in doing what she can to help these people.
1: I mean, they leave it sort of ambiguous. Like, you know, the the other doctor uh, accuses her of, yes, she's not locking them up, but she is using them for experiments. And they don't really address what those are i mean they they suggest i i think at one point she suggests that they put people with schizophrenia in like an ekg or an mri or something like that you know which is a kind of experiment you could do on someone with schizophrenia but like i don't know what else she's doing what she's actually being accused of here
3: yeah, I, I do kind of wish they kind of clarityped that a bit more because you don't know if that's just you know they show this uh, this other head uh, nurse at this hospital who by the way is played by the uh, director's wife they they show her as like basically from the get go disliking Catherine so you do kind of wonder if it's what she's saying is more inspired by her dislike of her or there is it some more concrete examples of her doing. Uh, unethical experiments with patients definitely and the
1: doctor in question uses shock treatment to punish someone you know Mm -hmm. yeah i I don't necessarily think she's coming from a um neutral position when she's using she seems very jealous as well
0: this is my definitely my bias speaking but like i took it as oh this doctor who's locking people up and unwilling to believe them and thinks that this like is diagnosing this guy right away and not believing him that this thing happened to him is the villain our person is not the villain and is like talking to her and that the woman's just taking digs at her defensively Mm -hmm. getting anywhere she can to make Catherine look bad because she doesn't want to face the fact that Like, maybe... Because if if Catherine's right, then she's horrible, right? right? She's locking people in fucking rooms and electroshocking them for no reason or for very little reason. But I will say that the movie makes, which is... This is a good thing. Like, makes Catherine more complex where it's not as simple as that. She's not just perfect. Mm -hmm. Where I do think that there's a bit of her being like... Like, she's believing the guy, but she's also kind of pressuring him to turn the thing on. And if she believed him that hard... Maybe if, if she was, you know, it's like this thing where is she doing that mostly because she wants to exonerate him? Is she doing that because she wants to prove that her way is better? Yes. You know, both – and I don't think it's coming out of a bad place, but I think she's a complex character that maybe has some tendencies that maybe lead her to go down a similar path as Pretorius. Not as bad, but, Mm. like, wanting to turn the thing back on because she wants to see it all, you know?
3: Yeah, totally. Because, I mean, she talks about how she's like, oh, my God, maybe we can cure schizophrenia with with this. So you you do see that, like, she is genuinely interested, But then she's also, like – Let's go throw it now. And they're like we almost died last night. And she's like, well, "I'll just stand there and be ready to pull it down. i will be fine." And yeah. So yeah, there, there's a part of that's just willing to risk whatever, whoever, just to get that. 2:45 a.m.
1: Going back for more resonator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: But yeah. At that point, also she was, you know, uh, partly under the uh, sway of the resonator as well, which she had already
0: started yes. working itself on her
3: pineal gland.
0: That's what I was going to say is like, I, it, at that point, it's hard to say what's her, what's, Mm -hmm. I think certain people are more susceptible. Like she seems more susceptible than Crawford because he's like, no, 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 for longer. But I also think the most, the only place where I get it, the more pure view of her is before she ever turns it on. And the fact that she is pressuring him a little bit, you Mm -hmm. know, but I like that about the movie. I like that. It's really complex like that. Yeah. With that stuff in mind, I don't, Know exactly, though, how to, like, how I feel about the depiction of the other patients (laughs) on her way in. Like, how they're all, like, stereotypical, freaking out, masturbating, like, Mm -hmm. talking to themselves. Like, I don't know. And then he's just standing in a corner chill. And I'm like, is this movie saying that a lot of the people being locked up are like him? Or that he's this weird fluke? Or that they've been locked up so long?
3: I wonder if it's supposed to be, like, an extreme, like, a place where, like, the most dangerous kind of people or this is just sure. supposed to be a run-of-the-mill group of people that like patients Yeah, yeah. I, I also want to say that that scene reminded me of um, Silence of the Lambs which I watched recently so mm. maybe that's why it reminded me of it when Clarice first walks down to see uh, Lecter and she passes by all of the super dangerous uh, people and one of them even throws his come at her Kind of like the guy fiercely masturbating.
0: Totally. Yeah, which would make it feel more like the like the extreme yeah. area. But it's also not... It's hard because, like a lot of things in the movie, they don't give you a lot. And this is yeah. not a strange scene for a movie showing a psych war. It's pretty normal for what we're used to seeing in Hollywood. So it's hard to know. I also... I think it's really interesting that McMichaels, in the end, knowing... Her views on psychiatry and uh, uh, psychology and all this stuff uh, and her father's history ends up committed into the very institution she was trying to keep people out of.
3: Mm -hmm. I think she says the exact same thing that uh, Crawford said, like it ate him or something like that, Um, which I believe Crawford said
0: in the beginning. Okay. She ends laughing a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the end of the movie, right?
3: Yeah, there's like fire You're going on behind your her. Synopsis,
0: is... Charlie, that was not in my interpretation. Um, not necessarily. Not like it couldn't have happened in mine, but mine ended before that, where you said death, doomed to something, doomed to repeat her father's life of being institutionalized. You think so? Yeah, I think so because.
3: Yeah, she's sitting there, all these people around her, and first they're like, oh no, we need to help her. And then they're like, start kind of afraid of her. Um, mm. And then she starts, she says the exact same thing Crawford said, she starts laughing like that. And I think that's supposed to be like, I mean, the, the screenwriter in his commentary said uh, she will never be accepted in the the world of the the people that are surrounding her i'm with charlie on this
0: oh yeah no it makes total sense to me i just never went past the moment Mm -hmm. i thought oh she's laughing i wonder what she's thinking i didn't think of the social context of oh man if you're laughing at this violence you're institutionalized Mm -hmm. pretty soon but i think that's a very good read it makes a lot of sense well i have some kind of questions i want to get to but should we talk about like monsters and shit first or should we just get into the the meaty stuff and then hope that that stuff comes with it.
3: <laughs> Should we get in the slimy stuff or the meaty stuff? <laughs> I mean, I, I
1: definitely have some of my monsters uh, tie into the meaty stuff. Or some of my meaty stuff ties into the monsters, rather. So, I, I think this is going to work.
0: I The thing I couldn't stop thinking about is... Okay, I'm going to set this up with just, like, my mindset going into this movie. Which is, they start talking about the pineal, pineal gland. And I think, oh, shit, that's some crazy shit. Like, my introduction to the pineal gland stuff was DMT the spirit molecule. I don't know if y'all have read that book. yeah,
3: i read that fucking book. I believe that's the book I'm thinking of. I believe I read your
0: copy and then eventually bought your copy. I'm so glad we all read this book. Okay, so Rick Strassman, DMT the spirit molecule. He's talking about it how the, the, he thinks that it releases DMT, all this stuff, which actually has been, like, disproven since the book. Um, and I believe he agrees that it's been disproven since the book. Um, but super interesting book. Also, that book, just a side note, made me pass out while reading it because I'm so afraid of needles. Um, <laughs> and they're injecting people with DMT. Anyway, so recently... I've been reading some Descartes, and I was reading Passions of the Soul, and he's talking about how the pineal gland is the seat of the soul in, like, the 1600s. And I was like, that shit's old as fuck! This movie like, they don't even know. And then she's like, Descartes actually talked about that. That's an old, and I was yeah. like, hell yeah, this movie's on it.
3: I guess in the uh, credits, it, it, uh, the screenwriter jokes about how uh, it's probably the only credit for uh, the it's like Pineal Gland Society or something. They actually, like, talked to a lot of the more science stuff about the pineal gland is this, is because they had consultants that were experts on the pineal gland mm. that they that makes talked sense. to about this stuff. The pineal gland
1: society. Okay. Interesting.
0: <laughs> Hell <laughs> Let yeah. Let me in. And I shouldn't say, it's really easy to be like, people thought this thing and then it was disproven. So it's <laughs> disproven like a skeptic thing. I don't fucking know. I just mm-hmm. know I've heard that since then. Blah, blah, blah. So that kind of colors how I think about this. But, I just kept wondering why the Beyond is evil. Does that make sense? Like, why is the Beyond... What is the Beyond, and why is it just this horror, to us at least, not that the monsters or whatever feel like they're horrible, but I felt like there was never even a hint of a, like, the Beyond is like this because it was just like, oh yeah, the Beyond, you don't want to fuck with that shit.
3: Well, I think... For a lot of the things there, it's just kind of more mindless, unintelligent creatures, like the ones like the crawly guys flying in the air, um, the eels and stuff. I think maybe those are just mindless creatures biting out at what's around them. But one thing that's interesting in the commentaries is that so I listened to one commentary of Stuart Gordon and one with uh, the screenwriter and they wrote it together for the most part. And Stuart Gordon talked about and the screenwriter did not mention this is that they were so neither of you are very familiar with Lovecraft right
0: not very nope
3: so Stuart Gordon claimed that they wanted to bring in the uh Chagoth or Shogoth, Shugoth. I don't know how you pronounce it but uh in the story the Mountains of Madness they go into Antarctica and they find this ancient city of aliens and through looking through the carvings they see that they had created a uh creature that was plasmatic uh it was able to basically form into any form it wanted at will. And it was created to be a slave species that they built their cities with and everything. But at one point they gained intelligence. And then there was like a revolt and a war between the Shagoths shagas which are the slave creatures versus the main alien creatures. And I don't remember if this is in the story itself or if Stuart Gordon was saying their kind of a uh, interpretation of it is that the, Shalagos gained intelligence by eating one of the one of the creatures that created them, and so their their idea for this was that that was not Praetorius himself, but one of the monsters from the other side ate Praetorius and therefore gained his mind and intelligence and uh, also maybe his more negative attributes. So, therefore, in terms of your question, maybe. That main monster was more evil because it ate Pretorius.
1: I think it's kind of evil to eat him in the first place. Right,
3: but like I'm saying, like
1: I
0: said before, that a bear's not evil. Yeah, you the know?
3: creatures here just seem kind of be mindless, right? They bite at them because yeah. they're moving around and it's just a lot of creatures will just bite at you if you're around them because you know, they're scared. They don't know what's totally. up and they that's their only way of defense. But then again, this this screenwriter in his commentary, he didn't mention that at all.
1: So my take on this is why I think this is kind of a conservative movie because what's out there beyond the veil or whatever is inherently what would you call it it's it's negative it's, it's it's doing negative things to you even by like touching it by looking at it by like coming in contact with beyond what you know I don't know if this is like a Christian morality tale but it's like for me, easy to see it that way. You're going beyond what you can see, what you can touch, what you can feel, and new sensations are being thrust upon you. I mean, these are like, you know, they turn the thing on and the forks start vibrating and the, the forks that make you horny, you know, is, is a big part of that. The pineal
3: gland is uh, connected to sex drive. Well, yeah, and, and that's the ex-
1: explanation that they give. But, like, in within the actual, like, moral arc of the story searching for, you know, we're tying together things like sex, desire, progress, knowledge, drive, sensation, and pleasure kind of into like one thing and putting, you know, the death drive with like eros, you know, which is like the tendency Mm -hmm. towards survival and propagation, sex, and like good things. But like it, It's sort of doing this, like, if you go too far at any of these things, like, you're doomed. So, have you ever read any Lovecraft? I, at one point, owned a giant book of his stories, and I started reading it, but it is is at my, my ex's, and I'm never getting that back.
3: The main most common thing in his stories is that people tapping into knowledge that ends up ruining them driving them insane or uh introducing them to things that will destroy them so that is and lovecraft was not a progressive until his uh deathbed when i guess he denounced his racism and what really In like one of his last letters the very end of his life yeah. yeah at the very end of his life he like denounced racism and uh I think he, like, said, like, pro-socialism or something like that. Um,
0: Sounds like a man afraid to go
3: to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Um,
0: But, yeah. I uh, think he also literally traveled outside of his, like, town for the first time in his life and was like, oh, shit.
3: No, he Um, he went, he lived in New York City for a few years and he absolutely hated and despised it. (laughs) (laughs) True, true, true. Forgot about that. That is, that's, like, the main Lovecraftian trope is that people learning things that we're not supposed to learn. Uh, They talk about, in one of the commentaries, they mention um, that maybe the reason why we evolved past the use for the pineal gland is as a form of protection against what the pineal gland was previously revealing to us, which I think is a pretty cool take. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess inherently uh, you're right. They are saying that the access to this knowledge is bad and that, at its core, it is conservative, I suppose, but I don't think that they really have a particular. Cons- the creators of this, I don't think, are, have a particular conservative view, or necessarily are trying to portray that.
1: I'm I'm not suggesting that this is like a reactionary film necessarily. It just that, like, when I'm watching this, I'm thinking about like the opposite of this, like homeschoolers you know homeschooling parents who like have a very particular rubric that they because they don't want their kids to get woke because if they get woke they're gonna get into sex they're gonna become you know like they're gonna lose their moral center and become murderers they're gonna be you know like x y and z
0: and that that's sort of where my brain was while i was watching this movie I think there's a lot of evidence for that read, especially, Charlie, with you bringing in that that's a big theme in Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. My initial feeling of like, why is, you know, having more senses evil? I kind of been thinking about that all week. And I have kind of a different read now um, that I don't know is more true, but it's kind of interesting to me. Okay, two different things. One of them being kind of like when we were talking about with Catherine McMichaels in like she and uh Pretorius were the ones who got the most evil, quote unquote, and the most or not, not the most evil, but the most like I have to turn it on. I have to do it. Like it affected them the most. And I wonder if their mindset going in, their own ego and their own yeah. whatever, is painting what's happening with the beyond to an extent and then everything else people being attacked whatever is just like oh there's a whole world laying on top of ours and it's not civilization so there's just random animals eating you and you're not prepared for it like maybe it's not evil maybe the evil that i'm sensing is coming from them that's a does that make sense as like one part of it yeah um the other thing that i was kind of thinking about is like so for people who don't know Descartes is really famous for Uh, like, I think therefore I am. He was like, he's like one of the most frustrating philosophers for me to read in the world. I hate reading him because he starts out amazing. He's like, I'm gonna get rid of everything and just see if I get rid of every assumption and everything, what do I know? And you're like, the only thing I know is that I'm doing this right now. So I must be something. And that's all I know is that I exist. Everything else I don't know. So let me go from there and see where I can go. And then really soon he's like, but obviously God exists because of all these assumptions. And he just like throws it all out the window. And it's like insane because you start off being like, this is it. This is so cool. And it's just bullshit. So yeah, he's incredibly frustrating to read for that reason. But I, there's something about the fact that like, I don't know that it's, I don't know how to put this, but it felt like because they're referencing Descartes and they're trying to figure out what they are, they're trying to see what they don't know, that there's something about not having more senses necessarily, but like this traditional search for essence. Mm -hmm. So this search for truth through like technology and like not being happy with just the way things are and trying to look more that's like kind of fucking weird and leads to weird shit, and I couldn't stop thinking of Descartes, like, fucking it up by throwing his own assumptions there, and throwing his own ideas of God in, and they're fucking it up by throwing their own ego and shit in, and I don't know if they're connected, but it just, that kept resonating with me. Whoa, resonating. Um, doesn't Crawford's
3: quote by Pretorius kind of jive with that, where he said something like, uh, like, he was brilliant, but five senses just wasn't enough for him or something like that. Yeah. Like, he was someone who was basically an egomaniac who just, uh, you know, just completely, I don't know what I'm saying. No,
1: that makes total sense. No, but you're, you're right. Like, you know, they sort of tied his, uh, interest in S and M and BDSM into this idea of like, he, at mm-hmm. some level was trying to like ascend through that before he found a particular piece of technology that was hopefully going to let him do it and totally got eaten
0: there's an interesting thing where like this movie is trying to go or like the people in the movie are trying to go beyond our normal understandings and it's so was Descartes but Descartes ended up kind of cementing understandings instead like he a lot of people think he is very responsible for the fact that we take for granted that we are a subject and everything else is objects, when really we are like a bunch of different things and we are like complex and we are part of the environment, the environment's part of us. Mm-hmm. So when searching for the Beyond, he was like cementing the Beyond. And this movie's very Descartes in that way, unless I read it the way you said, Charlie, where like, that wasn't pretorious later. But if I read it the way I first saw it where it's like his mind was intact. Yeah, But his body was gone now. Like, he's part of this thing. He's like, whatever. That makes it feel very much like there's a soul. Like his soul survived and the rest is just the goo. And like your essence will be there. And that's a kind of fucking weird thing in 2023 to think, you know? That did seem to be more of the
3: screenwriter's interpretation of it. Um, okay. I just, but then the Stuart Gordon was the one who said the other stuff before. Like I said, they wrote together. And I just thought it was weird how he's, he brings up this very specific thing, but then the screenwriter doesn't mention that at all. And the screenwriter was going deeper into the more thematic parts of it. Uh, so I wonder if maybe that's what Stuart Gordon had in mind, but maybe that's not something they necessarily discussed together and put it together. And the other guy was, you know, the, the finishing touch, I guess um, he's the one totally fully credited with the screenplay. So your reading might be more along the lines with the actual, Writing of it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
0: Sure, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just this is weird. It's weird that mm-hmm. like the the mind and or the soul or whatever it is lasts, and they reference Descartes, and that's such a Descartes thing, and it just it doesn't feel like in line with like what I would think mm-hmm. would happen if we saw beyond. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, this which is, is kind of conservative or old school or whatever. um This is
3: very funny because when uh, Brian Deese first went to work with Sir Gordon. Sue Gordon and uh, Dennis Paoli, whoever wrote this movie, he's written a few movies, including the Reanimator with Sir Gordon, and uh, they want to do a Lovecraft movie. And Brian Newstead said, "No, I don't. I I don't like Lovecraft stuff. Doesn't seem like it's fitting for film. I don't really like Lovecraft because his stuff is, you know, they they go insane when they see stuff, or they pass out when they find the the ultimate horror comes. So it's not good for film. But then he chose." The reanimator, because the reanimator is basically just a zombie movie type of thing. Mm. And so it's very much easier to film. So it's kind of funny that then he was full gung-ho up to filming this movie, which is pretty much the exact opposite of that. Totally. (laughs) Um, And like we're saying, there's a lot more kind of philosophical stuff of exactly what the beyond is. uh,
0: And part of that, though, part of the philosophy comes from the fact that they don't give us much philosophy. It's really open to interpretation right yeah um i thought one thing i wanted to throw in is just that i noticed similar lines between pretorius and uh catherine where they like mm-hmm. they both were talking about wanting to see wanting to see more wanting to see and that did seem to be their sin or something mm-hmm. <laughs> you know which lines up with all the readings we're saying but like but mm-hmm. like Barto, yeah like mm-hmm. you can you shouldn't want to see too much you know or you shouldn't want to see too much (laughs) one of the things i thought
1: about was when when catherine you know she touches the beyond and then she goes back for more beyond and she notices the fetish gear and gets like really into the fetish gear and then she's like you know she's she's checking out the like strap uh the straps hanging from the ceiling and then they like juxtapose that with her getting like strapped to the electroshock table you know like they're they're doing this like there are real punishments for your fascination with this stuff that you are like not supposed to play with
0: and are we supposed to take that as this is how society reacts to you wanting this or this is inherently bad i don't know right
1: i i don't know either and that that's true
3: maybe it isn't that Wanting to see more is bad. Maybe it's that wanting to see more, even after you've shown how dangerous it can be to you and the people around you, and you're still willing yeah. to go those lengths to see more. Totally, that's that's bad.
1: I I was curious in trying to like think about the actual like the world this movie exists in. I I feel like a clue was given to us by the live free or die flag and the Betsy Ross. There's one more
0: thing in there too. That's very weird. Charlie's shaking his head. I want to hear Um, Charlie's uh, commentary answer for why the flags are there. You want me to come after you say it or right now? Oh, Charlie, Charlie, or no, Berta, you go
3: first. I mean, the only
1: thing I, I, I was like, you know what the Betsy Ross flag has? It has 13 stars, and that's the spooky number because they're on the 666 <laughs> house, and they have the 13-star flag in there. That's
0: 666 Benevolence
1: Street. <laughs> yeah, Benevolence. And it's the, uh, what's the name of the, it's the uh, Pretorius Founda- uh, Foundation, which is, uh, you know, German for, or Latin and, I think, German for leader,
3: which, you what, know. What, Pretorius is yeah. Okay. I also have a response and to that.
1: Interesting. Uh, yeah. Both. You know. I don't know what it means. I'm.
3: Um, I'm flying blind. What? What? What other thing in the house were you gonna
0: say, Rabbit? I'm gonna pull it up. So okay, wait for for people who haven't necessarily seen the movie. Like so, there's in the when you walk into the building, in the house, Pretorius' house, uh, there's an American flag with a snake, and it says, "Don't tread on me." And there's an American flag that instead of the 50 stars has 13 stars in a circle. Also, in the scene where they're taking care of the main guy, Crawford, and he suddenly is a skinhead just throwing it out there. Suddenly has no hair. This symbol that looks like the center of an upside down, uh, the center of a peace sign, but it's upside down is in there. Which... I didn't know anything about until a couple weeks ago when someone was pointing out that. Let me find this. According to a person on Twitter, this is a Christian white, a symbol of the Christian white identitarian movement, usually associated with supporting white supremacist race war. For instance, there's pictures of William Pierce, the author of the Turner Diaries, a very racist book, speaking at a podium that has that on it. So I didn't know exactly what to make of all this very conservative, older, like very much older imagery other than them saying that like Pretorius himself might've had some weird fucking ideas. Not that those things are good or anything like quite the opposite. But did y'all, before we go into the other stuff, did y'all have any reads on that? So real quick, I want to
1: uh, push back against the, he came out as a skinhead.
0: Oh, I was joking. Idea. That It's just oh, okay. funny that it was like, one image is this white, na- and I was like, is that a white nationalist symbol? And then it spun around, and he was totally bald, and I was like, wait a second here! <laughs> but I didn't actually think they were trying to make a statement. Okay. okay. I tried to research that symbol, and I could not figure it out, and I asked the person for help, and they never responded, but it was like one of four symbols that somebody had posted that were other white nationalist things. But I don't know much about that that's like I think that that's also like a rune and a bunch of other symbols so I'm not saying that that's necessarily what it means it's just my only known affiliation with it
3: yeah I'm assuming that's just coincidence
0: did did y'all did Barton did you have any read on why those flags were there before we go into the no I, I didn't I mean my thought
1: too was and this is this was actually like you know in conflict with with my read of yeah. The film was this idea that uh Dr. Pretorius was like an old racist or something like that. Even though I'm not sure I don't know what the
0: live free or die or what's it, Gapson
1: flag? How do you say that? No,
0: the Gazdan flag is the yellow one that's the don't tread on me. This is different. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. But I Is guess this an I actual
3: don't... flag? I don't know if I've ever seen it before.
0: Yeah, this is an old flag. Yeah. I think they used it in like colonial times just like the 13 stars
1: I don't know if like that was so associated with like old school racism I don't think so either it was more just like founding fathers like we were
0: gonna be free from Britain shit in my mind
1: right 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 I don't I don't know how to how to take any of that or like what it meant except that like we're we're in a place of both like looking at the old and there's something new upstairs, but it, that still doesn't sure. feel
0: like enough. Charlie, lay it out for us. Well,
3: first of all, in terms of the actual characters and their beliefs uh, in regards to this, I had always assumed that they just this was just like a rented house for them to do experiments. They probably got some funding to do some experiences. It's just a house they rented or, if anything, Dr. Pretorius' house and he's a bad guy. But
0: anyways, uh, exactly. when it comes... Yeah. Definitely thought it was Pretorius' house, and they were trying to show he's a bad guy.
3: Yeah, um, when it comes to the commentary, first of all, you brought up the name Pretorius Bartow. He's named that because he's based on, and um, a lot of the characterization is uh, based on Dr. Pretorius from *Bride of Frankenstein*, who's the villain in that movie. Oh,
0: oh, I I wrote in my notes, Frankenstein is creating himself. <laughs> Hell yeah, this makes sense. Okay, cool.
3: Yeah, he's in Bride of Frankenstein. If I remember correctly. Doctor Frankenstein is like giving up his uh, experiments, but uh, his old mentor, Doctor Pretorius, who's a bad guy, like forces him to yeah to keep making and keep experimenting and make a bride for for uh, the monster. And then in terms of the flags. This is made by Empire, um, Empire Studios. I'm guessing either of you are familiar with them. Okay, so Empire was headed by Charles Charlie Band, and uh, they mostly focused on straight to video kind of stuff. They were a pretty awesome company. We'll be covering some more of this stuff eventually. But it sounds really familiar. Like
0: I almost feel like we've talked about them before.
3: It's very possible. Eventually, they folded. And he had to sell most of his catalog, except for I think Trancers is like the one he kept. But then he formed Full Moon, which does like all the Puppet Master movies. That's what Charlie Band is probably most known as the director of the Puppet Master movies. They also do like Evil Bong, Gingerbread Man, stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, this is back in the day of Empire. I don't remember the exact story. If anybody listening wants to, they can watch Joe Bob Briggs episode on Head of the Family where Charlie Band comes on and he interviews him, and he talks about how he bought this studio, which was Dino De Laurentiis' studio. This was filmed in Italy. Whoa. So this was Dino De, La- De Laurentiis? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah it yeah. was his old studio, and for some reason, it came to uh, Charlie Band's door for a cheap price, so he bought it. So this was all filmed in Italy, and A lot of the sets and stuff were made by Italians, and they joke about when they bring up the flags in the commentary, they're like, yeah, I guess in Italy, um, when they want to make a house in America, they just throw some flags in. So, it's just this (laughs) Italian set designers being like, we're making it in a house in America. Uh, let's put some flags up. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Stuart Gordon does joke but about- Where
0: did they get such old-timey, like, know. 200-year-old yeah. flags?
1: It just felt like the camera, like, lingered over the flags. Like, it was. It made me think I was supposed to consider
0: <laughs> the flags. <laughs> I did not feel that way. I noticed the symbol the first time, and the <laughs> second time, I, no- I was like, I'm looking for more house decor, and I had to hunt it down.
3: Um, S- Stuart Gordon does joke about- how, you know, notice the snake. We want to put as much phallic imagery in this movie as possible. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: See, but- that's so weird because I thought of the giant snake as a big butthole. <laughs> and I, I thought about him coming out of the snake completely hairless or whatever as sort of like this perverse birth through an anus <laughs> nice. where, where he's, you know, and then he's like carried by a uh, Bubba, you know, like a, like a newborn baby out of the, out of the water. And I did not see it as phallic at all. It was a Big butthole.
0: Your reading of the butthole goes way in line with that cop saying the DA is going to chew me a new asshole. So (laughs) I think you're right. (laughs) One more thing I want to say about the house before we move on. Maybe this is a stretch, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Like there's this thing I was talking about, with Descartes where like, you know, the mind lives on, there's the mind versus the body, the mind lives without the body and in the house, The mind, like the resonator is in the attic Mm -hmm. and the power is in the basement. It just definitely felt like this heart mind thing going on. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. Yeah, that totally tracks. Which is cool. Just symbolism. You're like in the mechanism of us that they're figuring out, you know, with the wires and veins and shit connecting them. I guess while we're talking
3: about the house, a couple other things. Not as interesting in the stuff you guys are talking about. But uh the outside shots of the house, uh that was the house was a miniature and so it's oh, all like cool. forced perspective shots that they were doing and I think it looked really incredible. And then also I, I really liked how the house itself became more and more part of the beyond as the movie went on. Like first you see you in the basement of the train turn off the power, like all of a sudden it's just flooded with water slash slime which before is completely dry and then at the end when everything's going crazy you have this slime pouring down the stairs the banister curling up as like a monster and i just really i, I love that touch of just like the house itself is being uh, twisted totally. and formed
0: i really liked the machines in the attic and like the first reveal where like the opening sequence, you see like him sitting there, and then it shows some of these analog machines, and then it keeps going and it keeps getting bigger, and then you see the central thing. Like I thought that was such a cool place setter of, of where we were gonna be living for a while.
3: The resonator in general was just a cool looking machine, in my opinion, and I love the uh violet lights of it. I love the three forks turning blue.
0: What did y'all think of the resonator? like what do y'all think is up with the fact that that it's like sound doing this like resonance.
1: That's one of those, those like, you know, when like the, all the, all the TikTok kids love the, uh, like CIA psychic documents and stuff like that. (laughs) That, that's basically what they're working at. They're, they're all talking about like vibrations and stuff like that. That's how it all, that's how it all functions. That's how you achieve the higher States. You know, it's, um, it's uh, binaural beats or whatever, you know, sure. where it's just these these particular sets of vibrations hitting you and, and it makes it easier to meditate or whatever.
0: Oh, I've totally forgot till you said that, that I was going to have a whole bit about how they were all just at a sun show in the attic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, kind of. And like... I kept, th- I kept thinking about that while I was watching it, was that, like, I don't remember, what? when did this movie come out? I forget to check. 86. 86. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, like, at some level, they're kind of at the cutting edge of what we were kind of understanding about how the brain works to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it is... It is like a series of vibrations, essentially, you know. And I'm kind of skeptical whether you could tap into another universe if you hit just the right vibration. But Ooh. there uh, there were lots of people and are lots of people who are making that claim.
0: Totally. Dennis
3: Paoli, I'm
0: going to remember that as an screenwriter. Okay.
3: He, he mentioned that the. Um, The resonator doesn't just enhance your pineal gland and that uh, extra sense. It enhances all of your senses. Is that along the lines of what you're talking
2: about?
1: You know, again, I forget what the name of this particular one was called that everyone goes. It's not Stargate. Something else. But whatever the case. the the idea is that if you do a certain set of exercises, the atoms of your body start like vibrating in tune with the atoms of your brain and then you're able to basically access other information than you wouldn't that than you would normally be able to access. You're doing a um, sober DMT trip sort of. I don't think you could really make your atoms vibrate at a particular speed though that seems kind of wackadoo to me i
0: mean it makes sense if we're trying to access more senses that they have to use something that affects one we already have right because mm-hmm. otherwise they would have already accessed the more senses right i want to talk about just what we thought of like the effects and monster designs but right before we go into that i just want to throw out that they're like i don't want to go into it but there's a lot of my interpretation of this movie and all the things we've been talking about whether like political, philosophical, whatever, that, like, things that just seem like outliers or don't fit to me, like, there's just lines that I don't know why. Like, I am the master here, or everyone must join me, or, like, you are evolving into a being that has never existed, uh, and now you can finally see, like, I don't fully know what it all means and how it all fits in. I can't tell. Are these just cool, interesting, scary, weird, creepy things to say, or do they mean something i don't know
1: i i'm sort of in the same boat where there's there's a lot of things that feel a little throwaway that are just there for like texture which is which is fine you know i don't think is wrong
0: yeah i, I think uh, again i really like let's let's talk about the practical effects i really like this stuff i do think that for like Tetsuo, for instance, I was like, why did that creepy, gross, practical effect movie get me going so much? And this one was like, I was into it, but I wasn't as into it. And I think part of it is because of these unanswered questions. Like with Tetsuo, I felt like it was like, I know that this is like this bad thing that's happening to these characters because they were fucked up and like kind of represents capital. And in this, like, I was just grossed out, and I didn't want to be grossed out. I didn't like when he sucked the dude, the girl's eye out. Oh, that was I didn't, awesome. I they didn't cut like that out when he said...
3: theatrical. the oh. theatrical. The
0: NPA cut out a lot of that uh, hospital stuff. Uh, mm. Like, when he said, I'm going to kiss you, and then the insect burst out of his head, the insect head burst out of his own, I was, like, writing down, this is super cool, when I was, like, trying to look away. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is awesome. <laughs> Awesome and effective, but especially effective if I know why I'm looking away, what's going on, if that makes sense. But super cool effects.
1: The throwaway line that confused me the most, because it it felt like it was important, and it also felt like it didn't add anything. And it was when Dr. Catherine, at the very end of the movie, has gone back and planned the bomb, and Crawford harnesses her... And she's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, because I love you. And I couldn't figure out, and I got that he, you know, the resonator, the forks make you horny. But <laughs> I, I couldn't figure out, like, what any of this was trying to say. Except that, like, you had, he had reached the dark place where his only way to express love is through violence.
3: I feel like he's under the impression that them dying in the house there they will stay there in the other dimension as Pretorius has stayed there and mm, so
1: they'll be together forever. Be Together in that way interesting
3: okay
0: yeah and there was a line earlier of like your minds connecting or melding is the most biggest pleasure of them all and so maybe if he's already that far gone he just that's what he wants with her regardless of what she wants with him in that same
3: sequence uh, the prior one where he says I, I love you She brings up, like, how Pretorius, if they don't destroy the machine, Pretorius would be able to come and go as he pleases or something like that. And then he says, like, Pretorius will always be here.
0: Because he's on the other side already. So it's like, he'll always be here, Uh but he won't always be there. Like, uh, you know, the machine's making it so both sides can see each other and interact. But Pretorius will always be here, even if you can't feel him, right?
3: Yeah, unless Pretorius is... Powerful enough, because with the machine turning itself on, was that the machine turning itself on, or was that Pretorius turning on from the other side? I assumed the latter. I assumed it was the latter, too. But Same. in the commentary, they mentioned that the machine in the story was able to turn itself on.
0: Hmm. Well, in one of the first lines, of, they're like, the machine's doing this itself now. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So,
3: yeah, I don't know. But if it was Pretorius being able to turn it on that maybe he does have the power to interact because he is one of the only intelligent beings on that side, theoretically. Maybe he's understood a way to uh, connect through. But I want to go to one of your throwaway lines where he talks about how, like, I am the master here, something like that. Well, like I just said, maybe he's the only one of intelligence there, so he is able to do more. But originally I was going to say that could also just be he's complete egomaniac um yeah you know he pretty much believes he is a god at this point
0: and my other line i threw out everyone must join me if we're talking about like getting everybody's minds together for that ultimate pleasure or whatever then it makes sense too
3: they mentioned in regards to uh crawford like entering pretorius during like the last battle of how he kind of like goes inside pretorius and they they fight um one of them says something along the lines of like basically Everything in that dimension, they pass through each other and go in and out of each other all the time.
1: Sounds nice. So that mm. could also
3: be kind of referring to that.
1: Can I ask one more question? Why does it matter that Dr. Pretorius is impotent? I think
3: because that's a blow against masculinity, and that would be a huge teardown of someone who's like Pretorius, who's super uh, egomaniac, who um, is is super into s&m and uh whipping women apparently there was a deleted scene where he that they were not able to find where he the movie opens with him hammering a nail through a woman's tongue but oh god um yeah it's still fucked up
0: enough i'm glad (laughs) he
3: he was like i'm really glad we couldn't find that scene (laughs) yeah um but the idea of you know he's this sexually controlling person who's completely in charge of everything, it turns out that he's actually impotent and unable to sexually perform. I think that would be a huge embarrassment and blow against uh, his masculine figure.
0: Well, and it could explain all of the other behavior. Yeah. He can't control that, so he has to control everything else. He can't use that sense, so he has to try to find more senses and more pleasures until... Yeah.
1: Okay, that tracks.
0: Also along the lines of masculinity and
3: things, uh, Crawford is... Going, His pineal gland is completely taking over and turning him into an absolute maniac. But then Catherine bites his pineal gland off, uh, castrating him. And then he is sane again and able to control himself and his emotions. He's not being controlled by his horniness anymore. And uh, he's able to fight back against Pretorius.
0: Good fucking point. Yeah. I hated their pineal gland sticking out. I hated that that shit. I didn't Some want to watch it after that. Stuff.
3: The pineal gland coming out. The, the worst, in my opinion, was when uh the nurse is like going at it with her little... Oh, her God. Choirs. Yeah, yeah. No. Like, oh, that's one of the uh. grossest scenes in film history. The, the screenwriter claims it was uh, Siskel and Ebert love the movie and that was like their favorite scene or something like that i wonder if that's true i, I thought so. it was
1: cool i thought it was very gnarly when she bit the thing off i was really like yeah wow yeah. they went there but yeah i thought it was <laughs> yeah. a really cool effect and um, <laughs> and actually the the most impressive one to me was before it had actually emerged and he was like laying in the SMN. Uh, in the in oh, the dungeon yeah. room, and there's just like a little bump that appears on his forehead I, for mm-hmm. just a second, and yeah. I thought that looked really good. It was like very like oh, you know, creepy.
3: Yeah, and, I love that because if you're not fully paying attention, you're gonna miss it. But on the other hand, if you notice it, you're just like, holy shit! Yeah, that's fucked up.
0: <laughs> Do y'all know how they did the effect of like the translucent kind of like eel, worm, fish things?
3: I uh, wish I paid more attention. It's something along the lines of they filmed in a fish tank and they put, like, the footage over each other, something like that. Cool.
1: I wish there were more <laughs> things. That was the only thing I wanted. I wanted, like, Same. more stuff wiggling around. and Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But the stuff they did have wiggling looked really good. It was... Cool.
3: yeah it looks so cool when it you just see this kind of weird like it almost looks like a computer effect except for this is before computer yeah. effects and then all of a sudden it turns in this physical thing that's biting them and it's just and it's a really awesome physical monster at the same time and you're just like whoa that's the that yeah. same thing that shot before but not nodded like a oh this isn't at all alike that's that's bad and like oh shit that's so cool right uh, totally I just, lo- I think the practical effects of this were all amazing. The worst one was at the end when they're chasing, when Pretorius is chasing a Crawford like down the stairs, and there's a shot of a flying creature uh, flying down, and it's very much like Harry Housing kind of a uh, stop motion thing flying down, but mm. um, it, it, I don't like it in the sense that it doesn't gel. Th- thematically with the looks of everything else but just accepted by itself it still looks really fucking yeah. cool
1: my least favorite practical effect was looking at that lady's knees after after <laughs> they got blown off or whatever that was really after ugh, she jumps she out after, that was really fucked up the other thing i wanted to add about the practical effects is after one very gooey scene and then they cut to her cooking eggs to try and make me think eggs are gross. Yeah. No, thanks. Don't do that to me. <laughs> and she breaks now the yolk, but stop. the other
0: one's perfect. It was like, come on, you're just trying to make it look grosser. Yeah.
1: Not nah, not right. I'm calling the egg alliance and we're going to go stop to stuff like this.
0: This perfectly transitions to what I wanted to talk about, which was uh, we've barely mentioned Buford Bubba Brownlee. And first things first, what the fuck does he cook them? It was just like big white pillows in a little sauce. I, was... I can answer that
3: if you I want to have a guess, Barto. Bix-
1: Bix- uh, biscuits and gravy or something like that was
3: my guess.
0: They were like, if they were biscuits and gravy, it was bigger than 10 biscuits put it, together. Yeah, they were massive. But
3: I originally thought it was like fucking cauliflower heads or something like that. Uh, um, cooked in like beef but uh, it was uh, cooked by the um, director's wife Carolyn who also played the uh, evil nurse evil doctor I guess she wasn't a nurse it was um, dumplings and beef stew
0: mm. okay mm. yeah <laughs> these are the biggest dumplings I've ever yeah, seen in my massive. life like and apparently the, the size yeah, of
3: my head the Italians crew were like oh put some bread sauce on that and they're like no, you, <laughs> you don't put fucking red sauce on dumplings and stew.
0: <laughs> I Maybe they just wanted some flavor out of it, whatever the fuck that was.
3: That looked delicious
0: um, to me once I knew what it was. I don't understand. I mean, I'll eat anything. It just didn't look great. Um, I didn't understand who he was. Like, you called him a cop, but was he a cop? Yeah. Like, he said he was a sergeant, but how is he working with her then? He's just supposed to be, like,
3: escorting them on this uh, little mission experiment they're on because the the person at the beginning who the guy who gave him the okay to do this experiment was like the cop and in charge of the case who gave uh mcmichael's the okay to take him back there so this is a cop he has uh making sure that everything's safe and everything makes sure she's safe and then at the end when she's back at the hospital and they're like oh she's crazy um and she's trying to like explain he's like i already lost like one of my best men on this or something
0: mm. like that.
1: Okay. it was a weird job for a cop to be doing yeah just hanging out also, all day eating, making food running around yeah. in his underwear and also he's like
3: lovable and like seems to be a pretty good guy I'm like this isn't a cop
0: it's just he wasn't doing cop things at all he was doing like friend with a gun yeah. things you know
3: he does at one point also say like I'm the law here when uh yeah and you're endangering second this is a reckless engagement. He said like McNichols.
0: But she's like he he keeps doing things like, Oh, we're doing that? Like he doesn't have a say in it for so much shit going on. Mm-hmm. He does try uh, to about
1: the science though. We, yeah, he says, I'm the law and we're not doing that again.
3: And I'm like, wait a yeah. second. <laughs> um I love Kenfrey. Hooray, hooray? I don't know. I love he was him. great. I love... Yeah, he was great.
0: Uh, Everybody was pretty good in this movie. Yeah. I mean, um, so Barbara
3: Crampton and uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs, they were both in, uh, main characters in Reanimator. And Stuart Gordon just really wanted to keep working them. Especially he was a, a stage director before film. So he was used to like working the same actors and he really wanted to work with both of them. And Charlie Band is like, she's too young to play like an established psychiatrist and uh, Stuart Gordon is just like, nope, nope, we're going to stick with her, we'll give her glasses, we'll we'll put in some lines about how she's a girl wonder, uh, we're staying with her, sorry. Uh, Hell yeah. Which, he seems like a really sweet guy, and that was, that was cool for him.
0: It worked well, because it was like the old science versus the new shit, you yeah, know? Yeah, I, I think um yeah he even said like the audience uh, the
3: audience wants to believe it they'll believe it so it'll be fine did either of you okay. spot i mentioned to you that there is a case of blackface in this did either of you spot it uh, no
0: i didn't because i i had already watched it when you said okay. that so i couldn't like look for it if you notice when jeffrey
3: runs down the stairs to go turn off the power and he's tackled by bubba like going down the stairs oh god it's not bubba when bubba hits against the wall there's brown smears because that was just an Italian guy painted <laughs> uh, like Bubba oh my to do the stunt. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Damn.
3: <laughs>
0: All right. Who's got a dumb cop of
3: the week to start it out? I don't know what his name or his title was, but basically the
0: cop in charge of the
3: case who...
0: The DA going to chew me a new asshole, that guy? Yeah,
3: that guy. He gave McMichaels the okay to take Crawford back with Bubba. To prove whether or not his experiment, his story was real. And she comes back screaming, freaking out. He's completely... Crawford's completely bald and hairless. Yeah. Bubba is dead. The fight... Be- the original murder case was a guy with his head chopped off. They can't find the head and there was no blood. And, he's and there just, was goo we can't identify. Yeah. And... And this guy sent her out to prove whether or not that thing was real. And he's just like oh, fucking do what you want with her. I don't uh This is yeah. I don't know what's wrong with her. It's like you what this is you set this whole thing up, you allow this yeah. whole thing. And now they're coming back in more and more with more proof and you're still just like, No, no, fuck. No. Yeah, very dumb cop.
1: Good, good, good pick. I'm gonna go with the she's just credited as neighbor lady. Um, because calling
3: the cops <laughs> is cop shit. And, uh, uh, Bunny. Oh, her name is Bunny? Or Bonnie. And it's just like, her dog's name is Bunny, but that's because her real name was Bunny. I think maybe she was named Bonnie in this movie, huh. but her dog was Bunny, because that was her name. Well, yeah.
1: she dropped her dog out the damn window. That yeah. is dumb <laughs> as hell.
3: I would never.
0: Not only... Did she call the cops? But then she just let herself into a house just like a yeah. cop would.
3: Yeah. Not only that, a house where she's not just tonight, but multiple nights, there's been crazy colors coming out and loud banging and glass uh, windows exploding.
0: <laughs> that was my pick too, Barto. So I'm going to go with my runner up, which was just the cops being typical cops who like that same scene a guy comes running out and a woman screaming and they immediately just shove and handcuff the man with no questions and one Mm -hmm. of them's holding a gun to him and it's like you all don't know anything for all you know this is the victim and you're just beating the shit out of them yeah fucking typical cops
3: yeah and then they feel justified because they find a guy without a head but they can't find the head and there's no blood and they're just like well this guy obviously (laughs) Yeah, somehow. <laughs> couldn't have
0: been the woman freaking out yeah. either. Like, couldn't have been anything. Uh, Praxis Award. Uh,
1: you know, I'm gonna go out on a limb and believe that Dr. Catherine McMichael's is making great strides in, um, how we work with people with schizophrenia.
0: Hell yeah, and believe just the fact that she believed him at yep. all. Yeah, Fucking I think solid. that's a good one. I
3: couldn't really think of one before, but that is a good one. But now that I think about it, I Crawford kind of, because he is tapped into something amazing that he could, you know, assuming he isn't you know, institutionalized for the rest of the life, his life, that could lead to mass amounts of riches and fame, but he just wants to destroy it and he's just like, no, this is bad for people we we shouldn't have it. I think that's, that's, that's pretty... It's a pretty good thing.
0: Hell yeah. Uh my pick was also McMichael's for believing mentally ill people, but I'm gonna throw in my my uh runner up was also McMichaels for bombing that fucking place.
3: <laughs> Did either of you uh I didn't uh, question why she had a bomb. How she got a bomb. <laughs> didn't think about yeah. it at all. Yeah, they 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 talk about that a lot in the commentary, how uh originally it's supposed to be gasoline and she's gonna set the place on fire, but the studio said no because it was too dangerous. But then they wrote a scene where she, like, goes to, stops by a construction site and grabs uh, some dynamite. But someone was like, oh, we don't need that. She can just show up with, with it. It'll be fine. <laughs> but apparently there are a lot of people question that when they see it. <laughs> didn't
0: I cross didn't even <laughs> I was questioning so many other things by then <laughs> yeah. that I didn't think about it at all. I was like, hell yeah, somebody's finally taking some action. <laughs> Plus, you know, she just looked up a fucking cookbook online. It's not that hard. Um, (laughs) Cool. Favorite shots, probably that uh,
1: that when the neighbor is about to like and is looking at the house from outside. Like, I just thought the house looked really cool, and it being a miniature with fourth perspective makes perfect sense to me. But like, I love that look, and it worked really well for me.
3: Nice. Yeah. Any shot of special effects that isn't the uh, Penny gland coming out of Crawford's head, plus the shots of the house, plus there was a really cool shot when he's coming out of the hospital and uh, it looks, it's lit and film like it's kind of like a noir shot with the shadows and the lighting and it's just a really gorgeous shot. I it, Overall, I just think this movie looked amazing.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was really hard for me to pick. Actually, I don't have one written down. Um, There were so many great effect shots. I'm just going to go, though, with the one I mentioned earlier where they did really good lighting was all they did to, like, show you this that Petorius is like face like coming in and his Mm -hmm. face is black and then they light it up. And like it was just it's the kind of thing that I really miss in modern movies where it's all like. Effects and grandiose stuff, and it. I like people having to be resourceful. Like, how are we gonna fucking add some mystery to this? Oh, we can just do it with lights and it'll be fucking amazing, you know? Yeah, cool. Yeah, as far as the rating, I mean, I think I've kind of said what I think about it. I've it's been really awesome talking about it. I feel like it's a it's an awesome thing to chew on. Not one of my favorites, but the effects are fucking amazing, and in general, it was really well made. I'm gonna give it two and a half tuning forks on the resonator out of four.
3: I think this movie is uh, perfect. I think it's one of the best movies we've covered. I think it is uh, absolutely gorgeous. I think there's some interesting themes and questions going on. Uh, I love all the actors in it. I I just think this movie is all around great. Um, I am going to give it Rabbits and slash or Barto's firstborn child. (laughs) And I am going to give it five resonating forks, um, an annotated collection of H.P. Lovecraft's work, and uh, my pineal gland in a plate.
1: (laughs) Hell yeah. I I give it the Junk Science of the Spirit Molecule, uh, which is... (laughs) No, good, not great. <laughs> but Hell I really yeah. enjoyed it. Really enjoyed watching it and talking about it. It's been a great conversation, fellas.
0: Yeah, it was a really good pick. I feel like it was a it was a nice break from our kaiju stuff. And yeah, it, this was a really fun discussion. I'm really stoked on it.
3: Can I throw out a couple of trivia things before we end it? Yeah. So Italian films, they never really film sound on set. They always dub dialogue uh, in all sounds and stuff, which is, you can kind of tell the budgets of an Italian film by how well the dialogue matches the mouths. But that was a constant hindrance when they're filming because the Italians and the crew would often just be loud while they're shooting and <laughs> that would piss them off. And one time they, they start shooting and a construction guy is just hammering away. And so Stuart Gordon said, cut. And he went up to the guy. He's like, what are you doing? Can you st- stop hammering, what the fuck? And the guy was like, Fellini always uh, let me hammer while he shot. And so Sir Gordon was like, well, I'm not fucking Fellini.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, We're recording sound. I don't yeah. know how hard that is to understand.
3: <laughs> Another story, uh, all the cast and crew got box lunches and the Italians like basically went on strike the first day because their box lunches did not have uh, bottle, many bottles of wine. Um, <laughs> so from then on all the lunches included yes. wine, <laughs> so good. Uh, and then they would always have.
0: Wait, can I give a new praxis award? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and
3: then they also would. Always, when they wrapped, they would have an afternoon vodka or whiskey, and I guess they would like go and race cars like on the studio while drunk and. That ended at one point when one of them drove a car into, I think it was a moat from Barbarilla. Um, <laughs> and they all had to drag the car out of the moat and promise not to tell the producer. The drunk in the um, that they take out on a stretcher at the ambulance uh, towards the end when Jeffrey's leaving the hospital, that was played by Albert Band, who is uh, the father of Charles Band, the... Head of Empire Studios Who who did this movie <laughs> And he he was also a director himself Who directed one movie And he was basically considered the godfather of the Studio And he played a big role In all the production kind of stuff uh, Similarly the soundtrack was done by Richard Band um, Charles Band's brother Who did a lot of soundtracks for Empire And I think it was a very good Score personally so they had to transport all of the special effects and stuff from Los Angeles to Italy, including all the monsters. That the big shrimp monster they called it the the sh- the biggest monster when Pretorius basically goes in eating mode at the end. That was like ten feet wide and was like a had to be put in like a whole room size box filled with packing peanuts. And when they landed, I, I guess the the case exploded so they had to get a truck and load it on the truck on like a flatbed truck and drive it like an hour back to the studio through all these communities of people seeing this weird monster <laughs> um, going by. I think it's very funny. Um, oh, yeah. Similarly the slime they all made at the same time, they couldn't transport because they used so much slime it would cost too much to ship it. <laughs> but they, uh, I think they made like 12 um, industrial barrels. Full of slime and stupidly they all made it at the same time because they didn't think they'd have to make it uh they didn't think they'd have the time to make it uh yeah uh, not all at the same time and but it goes rancid after a certain amount of time so a lot of the slime we saw in oh. this was uh going rancid and horribly horribly smelling and oh. and not only that but people under were under like the floorboards like uh Controlling stuff, so they would just have slime just drop down oh. repeatedly and completely cover them. This absolutely rancid slime.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck.
3: Yeah, I think that's it.
0: Those are, those are some good bits. Do you know what the slime was made out of? It's type of wood.
3: I know part <laughs> of it is a type of uh, what do you call it Wood cell. Wood is a word I'm thinking of. Cellulose or something. Yeah, wood cellulose. Uh, There's also some stuff that's used in McDonald's shakes. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah. And it's also like what you use to maneuver in uh, wood. If you want to like put wood in a certain uh, position is what you use to do that with. So they'd be uh, stirring these giant vats of slime with uh, these wood, giant wood spoons that is usually used for pasta. And then all of a sudden, they would just the spoons just like start twisting around, which <laughs> would be gnarly as hell.
0: Nice, fuck yeah! All right, folks, thanks so much for listening. We hope you join us next time when we're talking about uh, 20, 2008? Yeah, two thousand eights. Cloverfield, Cloverfield. Uh, you can rate us on Apple Podcasts. You should give us as many stars as you think we deserve. That would really help us out. Only takes a second. Write a review if you're feeling up to it. You can find us on Twitter at NoGodsPod. You can email us, NoGodsPod at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show, we've said it before, we'll say it again, support the Defend Atlanta Forest movement, uh, Stop Cop City. Just look it up. Right now, there are people who are getting domestic terrorist charges, but they are not being accused of hurting anyone. It's just property damage, uh, trying to stop a literal fucking fake city to train the police to repress all of you and all of us. It's fucking bullshit, and they could really use things like bail money and just, like, whatever, retweets, solidarity, anything you can do. And if you can get out there, go out there because, uh, it's worth it. This is, like, the biggest fight going on right now. Uh, it's accumulation of, like, environmental protection and stopping the, like, apparatuses of uh, capital and fucking cops in the state. So just, just support it any way you can.